everybody welcome to the 85th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in sweltering rip city and i got my man sage Shillin just got back from vietnam so the heat in southern oregon really isn't anything i, I went to a uh i went to a wedding in uh in vietnam outside in 100 degree temperature with 90 percent humidity so this oregon dry heat it's all good I'm, I'm i'm feeling it oh no it is too muggy for your boy you talk dry heat. I was in Vegas last weekend, two weekends ago. That's a dry heat. I can do 100 degrees in Vegas. I was in a button-up and some jeans. Wasn't sweating too bad. I mean, I walk to and from work in shorts and a t-shirt in this this weather, and I'm just like, shower. I, 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 can't, I can't do it, Sage. I cannot wait for the fall. One, basketball comes back. But two, the weather is so much refreshing. I mean, the leaves change colors. You get a little bit of clouds. You get some fucking rain for a change. And it's just, it's not as in your face, all up in your business, making you feel gross the minute you get out of the shower. I mean, again, all I've done in the past week is be in Vietnam and then just have the worst fucking flu of my life. So my body is not used to being outside, but when when I am outside for those shitty times of the day, I can handle it. (laughs) I've been through worse. You say that now. Just give it a couple. Oh, weeks I know. Once I get adjusted back to Oregon weather, I'm going to be bitching about it just like you. But I'm not. I'm. I'm feeling good. Yo, Vietnam's so live. Sage Digital Retreat 2018. We are going there, my friend. What did you like about it? What you kept uh, hyping it up? What was? Uh, what was so great? I mean, first you got to talk about the food. I mean that that food is fantastic it's a mix of like chinese influence mixed with french mixed with the local ingredients of vietnam the people were fantastic the girls liked curvier men which always suits your boy oh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean like i was with my disabled uncle a lot and these people were so helpful helping him cross the street because crossing the street in asia is a very difficult job and these people it went above and beyond for people that are complete strangers and i find that to be a really nice trait in a human being it feels like it's been months since we've talked yeah really. <laughs> i think it's been like four good weeks i know people have been waiting for this podcast i've been I've been seeing the the tweets, the Facebook messages, all that stuff. So I'm ready to talk about this bla- very little Blazers news. But hey, I know you said it right. I, you know, I, I I feel the love. I appreciate it. But at the same time, it's like, damn, what what are we going to talk about? I mean, I was thinking right before we were going to record, this is just going to be a you know our party and bullshit episode. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely things we can talk about. I'm sure. Looking back at the trade and stuff like that, you have different mindset about it. I mean, I, I think I want to look to the future. I mean, Portland, it has been such a quiet offseason for Portland. So as a Blazer fan, it is, it's been difficult getting through this summer. I mean, thankfully, it's been a little bit busy. Um, you've had Vietnam. Um, I, my body somehow survived hood to coast. Um, I had Vegas. And now I'm just, I'm ready for culture ball. I, I'm ready just to keep my weekends, just hiking culture ball training camp comes, you know, I, I got, I, I caved 
the schedule released and I had to get half season tickets again. So hey, I, I got, it's, a, it's a, an addicting drug being a Blazers fan, and I am and I, I am I, learning. I live that. so close. Yeah, to it, 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 it's like. <laughs> it's a stone throw away for real, man. So I don't have to pay to park. So, you know, there's definitely different ways to justify it. But at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. It being money. I enjoy the Blazers more than almost anything in life. There are only a handful of things that come before this team. And regardless of how well we're going to do this year, it's still a fun team. We're still going to be competitive. We're still the youngest team in the league. As long as Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are on the court, I'll be there. And yeah, I mean, add, it's all you about health. Nurkic, you add in Nurkic, a guy who we only got a small sample from, that to me is, is, is the intrigue right there. It, that's I know it's so cliche and so unoriginal, but he is almost like our offseason acquisition if he is healthy. I mean, from all of the videos we've seen on Instagram – the pictures he's posted on Twitter, the dude looks absolutely shredded. I hope that he's kept his strong base, that they figured out the whole leg situation, because God forbid, Portland, big men, legs, no, don't want to have anything to do with it. But hopefully it's corrected, because when he was healthy, and I know we say this and we dive down that, that narrative every decade or so, but when he is healthy, Pound for pound, I'm not certain there's another center I would want on my team than Yusuf Nurkic. Him being healthy is such a huge thing, and I gotta see it before I believe it. He's had leg injuries his entire career. I gotta, I gotta see a healthy, a healthy season from the guy before I crown him the king of kings in the center position. It should be exciting to see what he can do with that training camp, the continuity. It's it, it's even though it's a very quiet summer, it's still an exciting summer because. And it's tough because everyone else is making moves. And Portland, we had the draft. Okay. We had the Allen Crab trade, which happened over a month ago. Cool. I mean, we didn't get really anyone back. We still haven't figured out what they're doing with Andrew Nicholson. I think uh, you can. I think Thursday will be the day that if we stretch them, it will affect this year's salary cap. So expect the stretch provision to be used some sometime before Thursday. And that's also the Pat Connaughton extension date as well. So, I mean, maybe Thursday will be exciting, but I mean, I can, I can assume that he's getting stretched and I, I don't know what Pat's going to do. I mean, I mean, at this point you have to bring him back at least for one more season. I mean, it's not like his million dollars is making or breaking really anything. Um, we haven't used our free agent money with what little is to fill in that backup two spot. And, you know, if we're not going to do that, we might as well bring in Pat Content. I don't think he's the answer at the backup too, but you know, we traded Crab for basically cap space. And at the time, you know, going back and listening to that episode a while ago, you know, we were really anticipating that that mellow, that maybe that Eric Gordon, maybe somebody coming to Portland, we thought that that was going to be the trigger for that trade. And it's it's been all quiet. So um it's gonna be interesting going into training camp because I don't think Neil Walshay's got to be super stoked about the roster the way it's constructed right now there's a glaring hole at the backup shooting guard um and I think there is holes there's too much overlap in the front court so I still think Olshay has his work cut out for him I mean he's definitely got the stability after the news broke that he is going to be extended through 2021 
as um, the president of basketball operations, which is just a fancier title for the general manager. I just keep it general manager. That, that's what you are. That's what you do. No need to fancy it up. But Sage, what do you what are your thoughts on, on Olshay? Are you happy we extended him? Are you indifferent? Think we could find somebody better? What's your take? I don't I don't think we could find anyone better because I think he actually is a good general manager, but I think he falls in love with his guys a little too much. He's afraid of sunk cost. Like we could have easily let Myers Leonard go if we didn't think he was gonna improve, but we kept him. I think he overvalues his players. I mean it's crazy. We recorded that podcast a month ago, and then, like, a week later, the person who I thought would be the perfect replacement for Alan Crabb, Ian Clark, got picked up for $1.2, $1.3 million to the Pelicans. I was so livid when I found out about that. I texted you, and I was like, what in the hell is Neil Olshay doing? This guy is going to be cheaper than Pat Connaughton. He is not – he's a blazer killer, so – De facto, you remove a blazer killer from the rotation by signing him. And he also looked really good in Golden State when given an opportunity. Yes, I know that may be a system player, but for $1.56 million, mm-hmm. yeah, sign me up for that. I mean, and, what is Neil doing? And I, I mean, is, I wanted... kind of what I'm worrying right now. I think that, that finals series kind of exposed him because i totally thought he's gonna be an mle full mle guy but that that finals he didn't look as good as he probably would have hoped but i mean i I was still willing the entire our entire mle i was willing to give it to this guy because i thought he would fill all of the things that we needed i mean let's break down what alan crab's role was he was a low usage three-point shooter and i I would. He attempted 300 threes this year. He made a. I actually wrote it down. He made 134. So, I think very very efficient. Very efficient. But I'd say Ian Clark, if you put him on this team, would be a 35 percent three point shooter. Which 300 threes. That's 105 made threes a game. But his defense would have helped so much more. Than the 20, uh, 21 or 19 extra threes that Alan Crabb made because he's a B, B minus that, defensive player. Is that an extra three for every million extra that Alan Crabb makes over Ian Clark? That was that was a bad signing, but hey, I want to know was Neil O'Shea on the phone with Ian Clark because that just screams like a Neil O'Shea move. Get the guy who's underutilized, bring him to your your team hope he develops and he probably will flourish in new orleans yeah so the longer it goes without portland finding a viable backup two guard option the more i'm angered at the allen crab trade we should have just sat on that deal until it expired unless we had an option to replace him yes i know there is time it is august 29th at the time of this recording however we're getting a little late in the game. Everyone is really all all signed up. If they're not signed up, they're probably a restricted free agent, someone like a Nerlens Noel or a Mason, Mason Plumley that doesn't fit into what we need. Ian Clark was tailor-made for this role. Score off the bench. You're going to get limited minutes. Essentially, you're going to be a, a pinch hitter in, in baseball. We just need you to go out there in spurts and bring energy, get buckets, play D. Yeah, don't kill us. I mean, for $1.5 million, that would have been a risk I would have been willing to make. 
I'm just not certain what his plan is right now. And we touched on this in the last episode. I don't know the direction of the team. Uh, we can look back at the draft and you can say, okay, there's you know Zach Collins. Great. You think he's the best player. That's fine. He is a project. He's three to five years away. I mean, we all saw Summer League. He is physically weak. That's, that's step one. You could have all the game in the world, but you have to be physically capable of banging down low against grown-ass men. I mean, we're talking 6'10", 7 foot, anywhere between 210 to 250. I mean, I mean semi-old bullied him in the post in the these summer dudes league. are just bulls. And that's going to take time. You cannot just gain muscle legally overnight. I mean, that's going to take time. So that's fine if we saw him as a longer-term project. But you've also got guys in the prime of their careers or getting damn near close in Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. I would say that's probably the same thing for Evan Turner, for Al Farouk Aminu. So you've got guys that are ready to win now. I mean, Damian and C.J. are doing everything they fucking can to get Paul George to Portland, Carmelo Anthony to Portland. I mean, they are doing anything they can to get more talent in flux into the Rip City I just don't know what Neil's doing. It's like he's trying to keep us on that extended project young spectrum. And I'm fine going the youth route, but as I mentioned time and time again, a guy like Malik Monk would have made more sense. He's just as young, but he's ready to play. And he has just as much, if not more, upside. So what's the direction? You know, We're not using any of our, our cap space for a veteran or somebody who can help right away. Is he? Does he have this? ace up his sleeve where it's a trade that nobody knows about obviously we're not flies on the wall so we're only speculating here but at this point in time it's becoming more and more annoying that the roster is what it looks like right now do you think neil assumes that we're gonna get eric gordon in a trade which i would absolutely hate to fill in that back like when he made that alan crab trade did he think oh this this mellow trade is going to be the next thing and we'll fill in the role of backup shooter at the time of the trade. Yes. After four or five weeks. No. And the timing of that trade is also very suspect because it was the one year anniversary of the offer sheet. And that's exactly when the clock started, the clock ended Portland wanted to get out of that deal in the worst way, obviously. And it cost them about 6 million over the next four years because they had to take on over the next three years because they had to take on Andrew Nicholson's contract or it could be stretched lowered over more uh, over five years um, yeah five years so I honestly don't know what Neil's doing so back to the original question or am I cool with him being extended yeah you know even after all that bitching I'm fine with him being extended it's nice to have some stability for a long time we were the laughing stock of the entire NBA when you had Paul Allen firing a GM and Kevin Pritchard, making him go through the draft day process and actually select players. We don't know what happened behind the scenes, but regardless, the public eye, that that is not a good look for your owner to do to your general manager. Um, obviously, we don't know the whole story, but from the outside looking in, that, that that's not a positive light for this organization. You have Rich Cho, who was brought in for, what, a year, if that. They said it wasn't a good fit personality-wise. Okay, he's gone. Okay, Chad Buchanan, you're up at the helm. You're the interim GM. He's there for a little bit. And then we're, we're at Neil O'Shea. So we've had Neil O'Shea, the long, he's been the, the longest tenured GM probably since Bob Witsit. I think Witsit was here for about eight or nine years. 
uh, maybe even a little bit longer. So I do like the stability with Neil Olshay. I like the fact that he is a player's GM, and it hasn't translated into free agency signings, but I'll chalk that up to Portland being Portland, and we've never found someone, so it would take an act of God for someone great to want to sign with us in free agency. He does have a good gut when it comes to drafting prospects. Another reason why I'm not super down on Zach Collins and his trades. He's known to find those one out of the blue deals like Yusuf Nurkic. He's known to take risks, which I appreciate with the Aaron Flavel deal. I know looking back, it wasn't the right move, but at the time I still would have done it time and time again. And he finds those hidden gems. You know, he found Thomas Robinson. He found Robin Lopez for cap space. He just seems to find the right deal. So, you know, you look at the two out of the, the three categories of GM has to thrive in. You've got the draft, the free agency, and trades. He's really good at two. He's really good at drafting, pretty good at trading. And I'll give him an average mark, and that's being very kind for free agency. I think you look at those attributes over the course of all 30 NBA GMs. Neil Olshay is probably at the bottom end of the top 10 in, in GMs. So to your point, I don't think we could find anyone better. So you might as well continue that relationship until something, hopefully nothing goes wrong. But I think you should continue that. Yeah, I, I just don't think we could find anybody better. And I mean, if yeah. he and Terry have a good... Buford's not walking through that door. Absolutely not. And if he and Coach Stotts have a good working relationship we shouldn't jeopardize it for the chance that something that could be as good but probably will be worse also what's the point i mean we've been talking about this all summer golden state's here they're not going anywhere it doesn't really make sense just to say oh you portland's you know neil i'm sorry you didn't have as n- enough success as, as we really envisioned you know we're gonna let you go there really is no – you've got two dominant teams right now in Golden State and Cleveland, and really Golden State's going to be there for the foreseeable future, and I think at least for the next two or three years, whichever team LeBron's on, going to be a really difficult out in the postseason. So Portland, I, I do like that they're realistic. They, they know that if they make the second round of the playoffs, that's that's pretty fucking great. And I think the fans are, are kind of in line with that that thought process as well. Kevin Durant really changed the game when he decided to go to the Bay Area. And we're just going to all have to live with that. It's like when LeBron and Bosch and Wade all teamed up in Miami. That was the team for the last, you know, for a four-year span. Hopefully the Warriors' run is less than that or no more. But if I'm a betting man, I'm betting it goes on a little bit longer just because of how young and talented and really selfless that, that squad seems to be. So... Portland's probably made the right move by staying status quo and just trying to and just have fun. You know, I think if we all sit back and realize, yes, the ultimate goal is to win an NBA championship. But realistically, if that's the only thing that's going to give you happiness or, or you think that's success, you're going to have a bad time th- these next four or five years because that's that's just frankly not going to happen. You have to find happiness in other aspects of watching the Trailblazers or you might as well just not watch them at all. I mean – 29 teams, if that is the ultimate goal, I mean, if that is their only goal, fail. They fail every year. Only one team gets the championship. I, as a fan of the Blazers, would love it if we were in the second round every year. Or fighting every year in the playoffs. I mean, shit, if we had 
the early 2000s Atlanta Hawks go to the playoffs, go to the second round every year. As a fan, I'm cool with that. Winning a championship's hard. That's why we've only had one. And a lot of teams haven't had any. Like the same, If you look at the record books, it's all the same teams really win championships. So if the our main goal is to be a fun team, maybe get to the second round, I'm happy with that. I think for the foreseeable future, we kind of, we have to live with that. You know, obviously last year was not really acceptable. I think the team rested on their laurels quite a bit. They stumbled out of the gate and it, it hammered them. The home friendly schedule towards the stretch run of the season wasn't enough. There was not enough ground to make up. And we, you know, found ourselves facing an inevitable defeat. And it, it could have been, it could have been better than that, Sage. But that's what we get for not thinking we have to play with a chip on our shoulder. We are not better than a lot of teams in the Western Conference. We're comparable, but what's going to separate teams on a nightly basis is is focus, is energy, and frankly, a will to want to win. And that's what we saw in 2015. We didn't see enough of that in 2016. Uh, It really wasn't – we were not going to make the playoffs unless we made that trade for for Yusuf Nurkic, uh, to be quite honest. And he gave us that shot in the arm we needed. Unfortunately, you know, he went down at the end of March. Portland possibly could have got to the seventh seed. But even then, a little too late, a little um, too little too late is what they say. So hopefully if you're Portland, if you're if you're a fan, you're looking ahead to this season with with guided optimism. You've seen what this team can accomplish when they put their minds to it when they've got a healthy big man who really complements everyone around him. I don't think there's a player on this roster whose game isn't elevated when Nurkic is on the floor. So that's going to be the test for the Blazers. Obviously, health, number one concern. But two, can they focus? Can they beat the teams they're supposed to beat? Because that is going to be the difference between, one, either making the playoffs or not, or home court or not. Can you beat a team like the Phoenix Suns on opening night? Can you go into Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back and grind out a victory against a team that's up and coming, but you're better than? Can you go to the East East Coast and take four out of five, six out of eight? Can you handle business against a weaker conference? That is what has separated the San Antonio Spurs from the rest of the league. Quite frankly, I don't think they have the most talent, probably not even a top three or top four talented team. But Coach Popovich has got those guys dialed in so often, you never turn on SportsCenter or look on your app and, and look at the Spurs and say, they lost by 20 points to you know, the Brooklyn Nets. That doesn't happen. You know, the, Their losses are to teams that are pretty comparable or are frankly better than them. They don't get beat by teams they shouldn't get beat. And I think that's Portland's mindset. They need to go into these games and just handle business. If they do that, they will, they will win close to 50 games this year. Oh yeah, and handle business at home. Like that's that's the number one thing for Portland. They did not show up at home at all last year, like they should. I would say Portland easily has the top three fan base, top three home court advantage in in the NBA. Portland, if if they really are serious about getting a good seed in the playoffs, you gotta you gotta win thirty games at home. You gotta go thirty and eleven at home. You gotta go fifty fifty on the road. You do that, you're at 50 wins, and you're sitting pretty in the Western Conference. 
that 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 is the goal. You, you can't take it game by game. You you can't take it month by month. You really have to look at the season as a whole. It is a marathon. Try to limit your losing streaks. Try to not lose more than two in a row. You know, think of it like baseball. You go into a series, take two out of three, three out of four. You know, here and there, just lump those victories together and stay on, you know, a positive growth. You're going to be happy with your seed come April. I mean, that's all really I'm going to say uh, about that. But it really starts with with our guys, Damon, CJ, have to set the tone and the rest have to follow suit. It's not as simple, I think, as just saying Dame sets the tone and then, oh, everyone else is going to do what they did because we saw Dame play the best basketball of his career to start last season, but he just couldn't sustain it. I mean, he was carrying us. Nobody else was, was showing up. You know, Yeah, the early part also, of the year, it was Dame and 11 others. It was 11 that CJ couldn't get into a rhythm. Like, we need our role players. So CJ got into a rhythm later on. I don't have any worries about him. But for this team, if they're going to be successful, I know we've all talked about the, the health of Nurkic, protecting home court, beating the, the, the teams they should beat. But another, I know there's a lot of key components, but another one is role players. Can we get consistent production from guys like Ed Davis, Aminu, uh, Mo Harkless, uh, Shabazz Napier, Evan Turner? Those guys have to play in their role, and they have to stay consistent. You have to know that when you're, when you're putting in a bench guy – or starting a guy like Harkless, that they're going to deliver, you know, ten and five every night. I would rather them do that every night and not go above as long as they don't go below. You need consistency from your bench. We have high variance players, man. I mean, that it's been that way since we we started this iteration of the Holy Backward. High variance players. I mean, Alan Crabb will win us a game to put us into the playoffs, but then take two three pointers in a loss. I mean. If they can be consistent, it could really help us out. And I think one of the big things I want to focus on is gang rebounding. When we had that shocking season, we were like a top five rebounding team. And then you look at what we did with Mason Plumley as our center, and we were like a bottom five team and a bottom three team at offensive rebounding. I remember talking about those Kobe's assists that uh, Ed Davis was getting and all of the players. I mean... Alfred Camino is an elite rebounder when you tell him to do that. I want to see rebounding. I want to see gang rebounding. A thing I saw last year a lot was guards like Alan Crabb and players that can't really do anything with the ball. On defensive rebounds, they would leak out for fast breaks. But if they got the ball, they're not going to do shit except wait until Dame or CJ gets back to start the offense. So... Those players, I know AC's gone, but I see Chief do it. I see Bo Harkless, and they got heart and hustle. They should be getting those boards, helping Nurk. Oh, that's that's the number one thing I want to see. I mean, it's not when like you, our defense uh, is going to be good anyway, so might as well crash. What I remember, I remember Robin Lopez just boxing out two or three guys and just clearing, basically clearing the Red Sea for all other trailblazers to go and get the rebounds. We need, and, and we saw that with Nurkic. Like Nurkic will do that as well. But when the other guys come in, they need to just put a put a body on somebody. And if you can't get the ball, make sure they can't get the ball. Make sure it opens up an area for your teammate to go grab it. I mean, just think, Biggie could probably take up one or two players. He's got, he's fucking huge. He's got that Jared Sullinger butt. He can box out people and make sure Chief or uh, Harkless can get the ball. 
just the gang rebounding. I don't want to see anyone leaking out that can't do shit with the ball once they get it. I mean, I feel like we're we're beating a, a dead horse talking about the current team. So let's go all time, Sage. Uh, a few, I would say, nuggets have been dropped on us th- this summer to at least keep the conversation going during the dog days as we all anticipate the season kicking off in mid-October, the first being NBA 2K. 2K18 is giving 15-man rosters, all-time teams for every single NBA team. Portland's was announced. Here's the roster. You've got Clyde Drexler, Bill Walton, Damian Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge, Arbita Sabonis, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, Kiki Vandeweghe, CJ McCollum, Zach Randolph, Kevin Duckworth, Rod Strickland, Isaiah Ryder, Nick Batum, and Wes Matthews. When you saw those 15 players named, what was your first knee-jerk reaction, Sage? Where the fuck is Mo Lucas? That was number one. I mean, I look at all of them and it's like, the two teams that are most fucked, well, no, three teams that are most fucked up is Indiana, because they don't have Reggie, the Suns, because they don't have Charles Barkley, and then the Blazers, because they don't have Brandon Roy, Mo Lucas, Cliff Robinson, Buck Rasheed Williams, Rasheed, Buck Rasheed, Williams. <laughs> yeah, like all of these players that you know we've I've studied in the last two years are not on this team, and Wes Matthews, who was the apple of my eye when he was killing it, but he's not better than Sheed or Mo Lucas. Rest in peace. I mean, that that was insane. I look at the Pelicans yeah. roster and it's like, oh, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Well, Eric Gordon, he sucks, but I agree, I agree, I agree. Like, there's there's teams that I'm totally agreeing with, but then the Blazers is like, what the fuck is this hodgepodge of players doing? I think a lot of it has to do with naming rights. Rashid was not on the 99-2000 team in 2K17. And if Reggie Miller and Charles Barkley aren't on there, it has to be a naming rights issue. However... There is, for retired players or, you know, unfortunately players who have, you know, passed away, such as Mo Lucas, you know, rest in peace. I find it hard to believe they couldn't get the rights. And also, like, where's where's Jeff Petrie, like the original trailblazer? Um, there's just quite a few guys on here. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to might make a lot of people mad, but I don't think Rod Strickland should be on there. I don't think Isaiah Ryder should be on there. I don't think Nick Batum should be on there. I don't think Wesley Matthews should be on there. And push come to shove. I mean, excuse me, not put Kiki Vandeweghe shouldn't be on there. All that guy did was score and did not help us win basketball games. We were better once he got um, pushed out of the lineup by, by Jerome Kersey. So there's like five or six guys right there. And we just had an influx of five or six guys that we mentioned. Um, so Damon. obviously, it, no, no. I, I would, I wouldn't put Sotomayor. Shit, what, who's the small forward on the 77 team? Bobby Gross? What about him? Oh, maybe I think Cliff Robinson, though. I mean, Cliff Robinson actually is all up in Portland's record books. He took the torch from the early 90s team. He was the mid 90s trailblazers, really. Uh, he was the reason why we made it to the playoffs and we kept that that consecutive streak going on. You know, he was he was an all star. He was the sixth man of the year. Uh, he was a player before his time. He was a forward but could play all all three front court positions. Very versatile. He actually had range. He was one of the first big men who actually started stepping out and shooting behind the arc. Uh, there was just a lot of players that 
I felt were, you know, omitted from the team. I would love for 2K, I know they won't do it, but to say we couldn't have player XYZ because of licensing rights, um, that would at least... I know that their, like, social media dude actually talked to Nick Batum is like, hey, could you hook us up with the contact information for these guys? So, I I mean, they at least sort of tried. Are you going to cop the new 2K18? I don't know. I was pretty disappointed in 2017. It did not meet any of my expectations. I, I played 2K15 for so long. It was so smooth. The gameplay was beautiful. I got 2K17, and, like, the shooting motion was really weird but with the way the ball had, like, super arc. The players didn't move as smooth. I, I'm a little uh, gun-shy, as you might put it right now. You know your boy already pre-ordered. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're their target market, though. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've totally recognized that I'm the target market for NBA 2K, and I'm probably going to cop for a long-ass time until they really, truly fuck shit up. I mean, I'm definitely... I mean, it's a must-cop. I even copped NBA Live because I wanted that competition. I mean... Oh, yeah. Sage, no. Oh, yeah. Not NBA. I, I fuck with... I, I play the demo. It's pretty cool. But... Yeah, NBA I mean... NBA Live wasn't... I, I I died with NBA Live after, like, NBA Live 98. Yeah, but 96, you could create a player. <laughs> well, yeah, I played 96. I said after 98, I didn't fuck with it. And once 2K came out with Iverson on the cover, Dreamcast, they actually had starting mm. lineup introductions. That game. That game was fire. And I, I've been... I've been a 2K fanboy ever since, but last year they let me down. I'm actually going to be in a 2K tournament this Saturday, so cheer your boy on. Work? I think... Some homies that think that they can beat me wanted to set this tournament up, and I'm going to go to their crib and wax that ass. I mean, it's not a big one, but a group of 12, I'll, I'll, I'll give them the Ellingtons like Andre. It's all good. We were uh, talking about B-Roy a little bit earlier, and uh, Damian Lillard was doing a one of his frequent fan Q&As on Twitter this afternoon, and somebody asked him if he could add any current blazer in their prime or not, excuse me, any former blazer in their prime to the current blazer roster. Who would it be? He chose Brandon Roy, which surprised the hell out of me. I know who I would go with. Who would you go with? Big red. I mean, uh, Bill Walton. That's my, that's been my guy. I mean, ever since we started those TBTs, that that's my dude. Are you, you're, you're, you're on that Drexler train though, right? I mean, I, I think the, the obvious answers are either Drexler or, or Big Red. If Nurkic is healthy, he's obviously not Bill Walton, but he gives us what we need. Prime Drexler gets slept on hardcore. I think he's easily a, a top 25 player of all time. You're looking at a guy who was, you know, 25, 8, 8, 2, and 1. Like, feeling he's doing essentially what Giannis does, but he a better jump shot. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but it went in. And just delivered when you needed it. The guy was overshadowed by the greatest player of all time, which there's no shame in that, but just watching all of the old games, his defense, the way he played the passing lanes, he was unselfish. That that whole squad, um, you put him, he could easily play the three, you put him at the three, tough, tough team. I mean, that's, that's a tough team to knock out of the playoffs. You add Bill Walton, I mean, that defense just, that's you talk defense 
as a big man, a few names come. You you think of Bill Russell, you think of Dikembe Mutombo, and I, th- I think of Bill Walton. I mean, those guys were game changers at the end of the floor. You factor in his vision. I mean, both he and Drexler were supremely unselfish, maybe maybe to a fault, but they knew how to play the game the right way. I mean, just those outlets that Walton used to throw, um, you, just running the high post with, I mean, it, it's not even fair to talk about because you, cutting Mo Harkless, I mean, you, you, you put him with the current team, you got Mo Harkless cutting, you've got you running CJ all around these screens. I mean, it, it's buckets for days. Mm-hmm. And those, those are our choices, but he chose B-Roy. And I, I don't think Brandon can play point. I don't think Brandon can play the three. I think Brandon's a two guard. We already have CJ McCollum, so I just thought it was an interesting. And uh, he would. Admittedly, I have not watched as many Brandon Roy Blazer games. Wasn't he more of a w- one on four, break the defense down ISO guy? I mean, that's how Nate McMillan played him as as as, as ISO ball, but he had vision. He he was unselfish. My knock on Brandon was that he didn't like to push tempo. He was a a pace player. He wanted to go slow and steady, which is fine. But I just prefer guys who, who are versatile and who can go. You know, if the defense wants to go fast, let's go slow. If the defense wants to go, you know, slow it down, you you push the tempo. And don't get me wrong, Brandon was nasty. I mean, when he in 0809 when he was second team All NBA, there was only one shooting guard better than him in the league, and now that was Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant's one of the greatest players of all time. So again, n- no shame there. He had a back-to-the-basket game that a lot of big guards don't have. He, I mean, speaking of bit, he was a big guard. I mean, there's just not that body type in, in today's NBA. He, if he would have, if he was able to stay healthy, he would have played a long time at a very high level because he didn't rely on his athleticism. I mean, don't get me wrong. He could get up and pack it on you every now and then, but that wasn't his game. He, he's like CJ McCollum in the sense that he uses his hesitation dribble. He uses his his body, his head, his shoulders. He's going to move you one way and go the other way. Um, he's always thinking the game a couple of steps ahead. So, yes, he would have been an amazing addition, but I think it would almost have been duplication because you already have, have CJ. And, you know, Brandon needs the ball in his hands to be most effective. So he's like Evan Turner in that sense where you don't really want to play Brandon off the ball. He, he needs it in his hands. So I guess by, by de facto, he would play point guard. I mean, we had, we had a great, great run of Brandon. My only, you know, concern was it was so short and it's tough. I mean, Bill Walton's was shorter, but. Shorter, but you 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 have you have an MVP on your resume. You have a championship on your resume. You could you you could have not played a single more extra game. You could just play that one year, one or two years, and you're golden. Yeah, I would. It would be interesting to see what Terry Stotts could do with a healthy Bill Walton. But uh, maybe people can do that with the uh, All Blazers team. That's all whack. I still hope there's the ability to play with. So did they get rid of like the seasonal teams, like the ninety ninety one team? No, they're still there. Okay, good. As long I, I like those teams, and I wish they would have kept. So I was surprised that they kept fifteen men on the roster. That, that was pretty cool because when you play with the like the seasonal all time teams, it's usually like seven or eight guys, then a bunch of creative characters, which I think probably has to do with the rights as well. But if they could just find a way to figure out those rights, that would be 
I would definitely cop. Like if they had the the whole 91 team or the whole 2000 team, that that was fun. I did get my enjoyment trying to uh, start a franchise out of those guys. Sage, what's up? What else is on your mind? I know our boy Evan M talked about it on the Blazers Edge podcast. Shout out to Tara and our homie Evan. But what did you think about the unis? Because we never actually got a chance to talk about the new uniforms, the two new tr- released ones, the franchise and some association. I Was think. it the icon and the association? I'm just making up the names. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think major changes were one needed or expected in any way i was disappointed that silver still played a part in in the uniform it's the third color on the sash it's also on the the piping along the the neckline and the the arms so that that was the big thing i was really hoping they would get rid of that to me it's never been a trailblazers color i I don't want it to be a blazer color we're red black and white it worked with us I know I'm sounding like an old man on the front lawn, but it, it was a fucking amazing first when we started all the way up until 2003. Shouldn't have added it then. We had a chance to get rid of it. It's really gone from the main color palette that they released earlier in the summer. So a little bummed that was on there. Obviously, you have the Nike swoosh. No big deal. Any jersey you buy is going to have that logo on it, whether it's Adidas or Nike. Uh, I have no problem with that. Glad they kept the the, the sleeves. I, I heard that they were seriously considering, or not the sleeves, the stripes. Uh, I heard they were seriously considering removing that. That would have been, that would have been catastrophic. Uh, that it would have made been, them a little too plain. It would have been, been too- sacrilege. You do not get rid of the sash. That is what our uniform is known for. Um, I think lastly or not lastly there's a couple things that i'm pretty nitpicky about him i don't like the v-neck I, I prefer more scoop and i think the font looks it's weird that there is a stroke around the numbers but not around the font so or the team name i should say so portland or blazers it's just basic one color i think it looks better in previous years when you've got like the drop shadow um overall I can live with it because it's not a huge deviation from what I already liked. And I don't, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think the previous jerseys were perfect by, by any means. I, I really loved the early 90s Drexler jerseys and the, the 2000s, you know, Sheed Sabonis jerseys. Those were my favorites. Um, but I can live with these. They're fine. I'm curious to see what they release. They have three more, three or two more jerseys to release. I think it's two. Two more jerseys to release. Yeah, two more jerseys to release. One's probably going to be the red one. We know that, and one's probably going to be a Rip City. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Those are supposed to be the ones with the the greater changes. Again, I don't think the Rip City needed any changing outside of getting rid of the sleeves. That might have been one of the cleanest jerseys that we've ever worn or that any NBA team has worn. Um, and also the red jersey. I'm just I'm, – I'm very guarded with – with what they're going to do that's why that's why i brought it up so (laughs) i mean mean, obviously i'm very anal and ocd about uniforms uh because i you know i like to buy them i like to wear them um but i think we just should have hired brian bagley to do ours because he's a beast different yeah he had some nice designs i mean there was a couple where i would have switched up but overall i preferred 
the the 70s font. I think the 70s font is a little bit more iconic. It's original. I think it stands out more. The thing that, that bugs me most about our font right now, it, it just looks basic. And sometimes it, it, simplicity is beautiful. I don't know. I, I mean, he, here's my take on it. It was dope to begin with. They didn't make any massive changes. I'm cool with it. I mean, I, I care about the players in the jerseys more than the jerseys. That's just me. But I know I wanted to put the battery in your back and let you, you sound off on what you liked and didn't like. I mean, <laughs> and then I got to, to shout ex- out my to friends. Extent, <laughs> I agree about it's it's the player, but not the jersey. But you got to look fresh when you win. I mean, I don't want to look like some bum ass squad. I mean, just remember that the Atlanta Hawks chose that whack-ass color scheme and new orleans rocks that purple mardi gras shit <laughs> i mean to watch them i mean at least i do you watch them but you're not happy about it i know the ducks in football that we looked whack as hell this past year and it was when you're used to having that swagger and then you come out looking like you know some second run school it it does it, it affects you a little bit like dion said look good you feel good you feel good you play good you play good they pay good. So I find a, a lot of truth in that, especially in my everyday life. If I'm feeling good, I know I'm going to go into work and put in probably an extra better day's work. Like you just – you feel good. I, I know you got a suit in Vietnam, and, I, and I'm certain when you rocked that shit, you felt a little bit better about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, I'm trying to get rich one of these days so I can just rock suits. I, I look a lot better in a custom-made suit than a, a – I guess basketball shorts and a blazer shirt I got from you. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned Deion Sanders. Are you going to boycott the NFL this year? I already have started. I've I've unfollowed every social account that I followed with, with football. I haven't watched. I mean, it's it's been on the TV at other people's houses or vacation spots, but I haven't gone out of my way to watch it. The only thing I care about is former Ducks, if they do good. I mean, for me, my mom enjoys it. I like to hang out with my mom on Sundays because I try and plan to hang out with my mom on Sunday. So if she's watching uh, Red Zone, I'll watch Red Zone with her. But I'm not going to go out of my way to find the legal streams of games I don't give a fuck about. If the Saints are on, I'll watch them because I, I mean, I love them, but I'm not going to... I mean, I'm only doing one fantasy league this year, and it's cause the only reason I'm doing it is because it's a guaranteed win. So, sorry, Lee League. My family has a f- fantasy football league, and my mom's in it, and I draft for her. So, either she wins or I win. I still win. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, I've chilled a lot on my love for the NFL. So, But, I mean, you did reference Dion, so thought I would ask. Yeah, no fantasy leagues this year. I might do... A work pick them just because I'm the defending champ, and you know pick them's it's pick them. It gives you something to do. You don't really have to watch. The yeah, games, you don't you have know. to watch them to make a pick. No, and really half the battle is just making sure you make your pick in mm. every week. But other than that, I've just I'm good. Blazers and Ducks. I mean that that's my squad. I've been watching the Timbers to to fill the time in the summer. You haven't gotten your baseball kick yet. No, I need a team in Portland, man. It's too far away. I mean, all my like it's I I I have to be able to see my team play. There's just something about knowing you can go whenever Mm. you want and you can see them in person. You feel that connection. 
And that's why I have a lot of respect for a lot of, you know, relocated Blazer fans, overseas Blazer fans, because that takes a lot of dedication. You're, you're waking up at different times. Um, you definitely lose a little bit of that connection. And I hope if you are a, a relocated Blazer fan or you're overseas and you're listening to this, that we can help bridge that gap and we can bring some of that that rip city to you wherever you are because there's enough to go around. And, you know, if I ever do move, you know, I don't plan on it. I don't really want to. I mean, that's going to be, that's really the toughest thing I always worry about is like, I'm not going to get to go to as many games or, you know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, walk around the street and see somebody in gear. Like there is just that hometown pride. And yeah, I grew up with, you know, a baseball team and an NFL team, but it just, they, it was never to the level of, you know, adoration that it was for the trailblazers like that. That's my heart right there. I think before we get into any other topic, we got to say thoughts and prayers to the people affected from the hurricane in Houston, Texas, because that shit is breaking my heart, man. So thoughts and prayers to everyone affected. I hope. But if you know, if you can, I know the Red Cross is taking donations. I know the Humane Society is taking donations. You know, J.J. Watt, whether you find him annoying or you love him to death, he's doing a really beautiful thing. He's started out with a goal less than 48 hours ago just to raise $200,000. He's already up to $3.25 million. Uh, the owner of the Titans has donated a uh, million dollars to that cause. You know, that's, that's a rival team in, in division. So that's pretty cool that other people are putting differences aside and just, just helping one another. So that that's been a positive that I've seen, you know, Gerald green, former dunk champ on Instagram posting a video. Hey, where can I get a boat? I just want to go help off some people. You know, Chris Paul just moved to the city, donated $50,000. I mean, you've got people doing what they can and whether it's as simple as, you know, retweeting on Twitter, Hey, this person, here's their address. They need help. You may not know anybody in Texas, your followers may not know somebody in Texas, but maybe your followers follower does. I mean, that's just kind of the thought process that, that goes into any time that, you know, if you feel helpless, there's always something you can do. doesn't matter how small or minuscule as it seems you put everything together and the summation of the parts is what essentially will get the job done. So I'm going to propose this on air. No sponsor this week. We're going to put the Red Cross's URL on the description of this podcast. And if you want to support us, support the people in, that have been affected in Houston. I second that notion. All right. So do we have any fan questions that we haven't addressed during the show? All right. We got a grip of them from longtime listener Blazer247. Keith wants to know, what is your guess for our home and away records this year? I'll, I'll flat out say I haven't studied the schedule. I looked at it once or twice. I just know I got all warm and fuzzy inside and decided to pull the trigger on those half-season tickets. But if I were a guessing man, I think we probably take, I would say, between 25 and 28 games at home. And I think we probably win. It's going to be a tough Western Conference. I think we win between 17 and 19 on on the road. So we're looking 
42, 47 wins. I was going to say 43 to 47 wins. How do you see those splits breaking out, though? I'd say we handle Biz at home, maybe like 20, screw it, 28 wins, and then we kind of don't do that great away. But I think we handle Biz at home because Blazer fans are rowdy and got to have faith in this early season. Keith also wants to know who's going to take the biggest leap forward on our roster this year. So we're just not going to say any of the stars, right? You can say whoever you want. I've already got my answer, but I want to know who you got. Damn, I wish I looked at these questions closer. Um, I'm going to say I'm expecting Mo Harkless to get more three-point attempts, and hopefully he adds something to his game. So I'm going Mo Harkless. Good answer, but the correct answer is Noah Vonley. I mean, they're really... I know we positionally have a lot of power forwards, but let's be honest, our two rookies aren't going to play much. Al Farouk's kind of the only sort of backup for. He's going to get his minutes, so that's a pretty good guess. That's a pretty good take. And everyone talks about the 20-game sample size that Nurkic played, and rightfully so. But look at who he impacted the most. It was Vonley. Vonley became a menace around the rim. He was not shy. He was not bashful. He was aggressive. He was throwing down anything and everything he could. He was much more assertive. The confidence you could just see was bubbling inside of him and rising as every minute passed. He's always been a fantastic defender. He doesn't need help on the low block. He can switch out on it on a, a guard. He can he can handle his own on the perimeter. Yeah, he could he could definitely hedge if we decided to change schemes a bit. I mean, I th- I think he put on a top five performance defending Anthony Davis in the game that we played later in March, I believe. Like he 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 was doing his thing. I dev I definitely see this. This is his make it or break year because he's a free agent next year. So this is his big money year. If he if he's gonna show out, it better be this year. And I really hope. The team gives him plays to run. You can't expect him just to get nothing but garbage baskets. I think he's too talented for us not to run any sort of offense for him. He is a capable shooter. Let's get him the ball in the high post. Just study Nurk. Watch what he does with the ball. I think Von Ley is really a capable passer. He's a very intelligent player. We just need to get him more involved. I mean, that's if, if you go down to your local Y or you play pickup ball, you're going to play better if if dudes pass you the rock, right? You're going to play better if you get good looks, if you make a couple baskets. That's going to up your intensity on defense. You're going to feel good about yourself. That's what we need to do with Noah Von Lee because if Dame and CJ, they've got no problem getting going. Same with Nurk. Our two guys we picked, Harkless and Von Lee, we need to get them the ball and get them the ball in places where they can succeed. Don't let them go out of their comfort zone. Harkless, you shoot the corner three, you slash, we're going to reward you with an easy bucket. Vonley, again, we're going to drive, get a double team, dish it off for a dunk, or dish it out for a mid-range jumper. To me, this seems like easy money. So let's hope, hopefully Stotts is seeing the same thing because those two guys, I think, are going to be probably the most crucial to our success or non-success in the upcoming season. You know what I want to see from Mo Harkless? Teams will put their best two defenders on Dame and CJ like they should. I would love to see Mo Harkless get into the post and punish that 
that worst defender on the perimeter. Because I'm just imagining our first home games against New Orleans. They're going to put Drew Holiday and Rondo on the, the two guards. Etwan Moore is a good defender, but he's little. I would love to see Mo Harkless just punish him in the post for the first play of the game and then continue to go back to that well. Because he has the ability to punish smaller guards. We've seen it last year and the year before that. He just puts them in the paint and just starts going to work. I would love to see that more often because inevitably he's going to be on the worst defender every time. From Keith, of all the big-name free agents that came west this summer, I'll also add in acquisitions as well because we didn't really have any free agency money. Who would have helped the Blazers the most if we had if we had acquired them? So we're talking Jimmy Butler, we're talking Paul George, we're talking Paul Millsap. I'm more of a Jimmy Butler guy over uh, Paul George because I think he helps you out in more ways. So I would rank it Jimmy Butler, Paul Millsap, Paul George. And then Mello, I guess. Even with Jimmy Butler's reported, and again, reported like locker room run-ins with the Well, you can, you can say the same thing about Paul George. I, did, I wasn't advocating for Paul I mean, George. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get hostile. But yeah, I, I, I'm more of a Jimmy Butler guy than a Paul George guy. For talking for just this one year, it might be Paul Millsap. I mean, he's a veteran. He'll be a good vet. I mean, he's going to be a great vet for the Denver Bigs. He'd be a perfect pairing for Nurkic. He could do so many things. He was like a top three defender in his position. I, I I'm I agree that he would be great, but I think Jimmy might be a little better for the longer run. Yeah, I, I just like you said, I've, I've got concern. I was gonna say Paul George, but you're right. He's one. He's 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 not clutch. And don't get me wrong. If we could have swung a deal to get him, I would be singing his praises, and I would have loved the acquisition. I still I. Still would have said that. He's not He's not a clutch player. He's a perfect second or third option. But there are rumors of he kind of messed things up with Roy Hibber and his fiance. He's, so there's rumors there as well. We're not going to go into that. We, we've heard the Jimmy Butler's um, locker room issues. Can Jimmy play the three? That, I mean, that, he did last year. But is that – that's not his best. He's really oh, no, no, no. Play. No. So that that's my kind of question is, do you get Butler at the three, CJ and Dame? Like, does, does that work? I mean, obviously you can slide over to the two when, when they both move over. So I'm kind of torn between, between Jimmy and Paul. If it's long-term, I'm taking Butler, obviously. But for one year, I still really love what Paul Millsap can do. I mean, oh, Paul Millsap old school, but he's – for a team that needs consistency in defense – if if Nurk's healthy, uh, that that is a bad ass front court man. Can you think of a better vet for Noah Vonley as well? Ooh. Aside from Dirk Nowitzki, no. <laughs> oh shit! But Dirk never was the defender Paul Millsap is, so at yeah, least but, Paul but, will but show Dirk's him the how goat, to. Though. Dirk's the goat though. Yeah, but Dirk ain't leaving Dallas to come to PDX, my guy. You you asked a question. Sorry, I sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, with Neil locked in for years to come, what's the chance he gets Carmelo at the trade deadline like Nurkic last year? I mean, personally, I don't think one has to do anything with the other because last I checked, Carmelo Anthony had a no-trade clause. Yeah, he, I mean, would he waive it to come here? That's a huge question mark. Um, I mean, it's likely, but 
I'd go zero point zero zero point one or something. I don't know. I mean, I think it either happens right before training camp or it doesn't happen at all. Uh, Portland would be. I mean, it's tough to have a crystal ball and look into the future and see where we're at at the trade deadline because I don't see any scenario that really says, yes, we get Carmel Anthony. One scenario, are we exceeding expectations? If the answer is yes, why mess up a good thing? Two, if we're not where we want to be or if we're status quo, why would you bring in Carmelo Anthony when you know he could leave at the end of the season and you're giving up assets to try to improve the roster? That, that'd be a tough sell. So I think if it happens, you want a full year of Melo. You want to get him re-signed. I mean, I know Damon and CJ are doing their damnedest to recruit him. But I don't think it has anything to do with, with Neil Olshay signing that extension. It's going to come down to Carmelo saying, do I want to wait a year to be a free agent? I don't even know if Houston will have free agency money next year anyways. But is he going to say, I want to control where I go to next year? Or is he going to get wooed by Portland and say, yeah, you know, let's make this happen. I want to go West Coast and try it out. It's really all, all down to Melo. Can we keep Dame and CJ both averaging less than 35 minutes a game to secure their future health for stronger rosters? I think that we try and stagger them, but if we're kind of in that win now zone, you know, you don't want to you don't want to tank because of how they're in their prime. So I don't I don't I think they'll they'll play big minutes, but I think it would be wise to stagger them a little bit more. I think there's a misconception out there about playing heavy minutes. I think there's heavy minutes, and I think there's unnecessary minutes. Luol Deng on the Bulls is one you, of those unnecessary. You look at all of the NBA superstars, aside from the Warriors because they have four All-NBA players, they're in the top ten, or they're, they're leading minutes per game. The best players play the most minutes. That's how it's been. That's how it's going to be. I'm perfectly fine if we can keep them at 36, 37 minutes a game. That means you're getting a full quarter's worth of rest. I think that's more than enough. These, these, these guys are both very young, 25, 26 years old. As long as we're not pushing them in that 39, 40, I'm fine with it. What year will Zach Collins become useful? Will it take as long as it's taking with Myers. Man, it's so hard to project because we o- we only saw two games of him. Yeah, maybe two games in a. Qu- I think it was no, it was a game in like two uh, two quarters. Yeah, I, I mean that's so hard to. I'm not even gonna. No, you gotta you gotta swing swing the fences, bro. Well, it's this is what I would think. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's maybe why, that's maybe why our fans listen. I say he's not going to be a part of the offense this year or the team this year. He's in a, Terry doesn't play star rookies much unless you're Damian Lillard. I'd say year three we see some we see him in some real big boy rotation minutes. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at year three or four. I mean, again, I mean, how old is he? Nineteen. Nineteen. So he, I mean, he he he's not the strongest built man in the world. He's going into a league where. It's nothing but men. It's going to take a while. Don't expect a uh, polished NBA player in the first year, because I don't think he's going to be on the floor much, to be honest. 
I think the Noah Vaughn Lake career arc is is something to to be realistic about mm-hmm. when it comes to Collins. He yeah. needs to get stronger. He needs to play with a little bit more confidence, and I think that's going to come with experience. He's not going to get a lot of experience right away because we are stacked at those positions. But unfortunately, the Blazers do have injury history with their bigs. Yeah, there I think could that. There could be a chance for him to get extended minutes early on. Um, I don't want him to get his minutes that way, but if it happens, that's one way to kind of get you know into the deep end and kind of hmm. see what he's made of. But I, like you said, I really think this year he's going to get kind of what CJ got his rookie year, like just those those spot mop up minutes. And if he shows progression in summer league and then the preseason, then you might break into the rotation here or there. And then you know he's got to earn these minutes too. It's not going to be handed to him, even though he was the 10th pick in the draft. Um, A thought process for me when uh, we did those two picks, and they happen to be bigs, I think Neil was making sure, it's insurances, that we never go into a playoff series with one and a half big men. So, I, I I don't see them being major pieces just yet. Speaking of Nurk, how much better will the Bosnian beast make us with a full season of a healthy Nurkic than the rest of the talking heads are predicting? So the talking heads, I think the over-under was about 42 wins projected out of Westgate, Vegas. I've seen a lot of mock drafts predicting us to pick late in the lottery. Um, a lot of people have a slated 7th or 8th out west. So if Nurkic is healthy, this is, this is the $64 million question, how good are is, are the Trailblazers at the end of the season? Where, where do they stack up? <sighs> let me let me think. You know what? I'm going sixth seed. I'm going sixth seed. I'm telling you right now, we're the two seed right now if Nurkic plays 82 games. That's two seed? All right. There's no team outside of Golden State that is fucking with us with a 100% healthy use of Nurkic. Mm, maybe the Rockets? No. Who, who, who's going to stop him inside? No, (laughs) no, mate. No. But again, I don't foresee that happening. But if it does, if we get 82 of Nurkic and he is what we got in that 20 game sample, and this is just speculating all on that sample, we're the second team out West, probably the second team. I I think in probably the third team league, I still think LeBron and Cleveland is going to be tough. But he is that much of a game changer for this team. Everyone's game is elevated. They, they play at a higher level. There's just more of a confidence. It takes so much pressure off of Damon CJ. It's an actual big man you throw the ball into that can get buckets. Crazy to think in 2017, but hey, those players still exist. <laughs> or you can run pick and roll with. You run pick and roll, you can run him at the high post. That's the thing with Nurk. He's not just some spot-up shooter. Who that's That's his only method of helping out, contributing to a basketball team. There is a plethora of ways that this guy helps out. And I know I'm, I'm heavy on, on the Nurk Kool-Aid, but 100% Nurk, that's, that's a game changer. I think it's his attitude. He brings a swagger, a cockiness to the team that, and I think Dame, Dame has it. I think Dame has a laser focus. CJ has a, a quiet swagger. But I think more of the guys need to I think, one, every team needs a kind of an in-your-face guy. The Pistons had a Bill Lambeer. Um, obviously, the Bulls had, had Jordan. 
we need a guy who's not afraid to talk a little shit. You know, the Sonics had Gary Payton. I, I love when he waves the finger Nurkic does after blocking a shot or telling the Nuggets, I, you know, have a happy summer. We need that guy who's just going to talk a little shit and, and, you know, play with a confidence. And I think it rubs off on the rest of the guys. Hopefully he stays healthy 82 games. I mean, that's, that's really what I see. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't envision, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I mean, it's, it's hard to play 82, but if he's there, we're, we're going to be, it's going to be a fun season and we're going to be a tough out. Even for Golden State, we're going to be a tough out um, with Nurk. Uh, we got a question from uh, Michael G and, and I have no uh, the, idea what this that means. is the homie right there. So what, what win percentage do you expect the steel reserves to have this coming season? Sage, what the fuck is a steel reserve <laughs> outside of a 40 ounce? <laughs> that is the name of uh, our pro-am team. We were trying to think of a clever name. And uh, he was at the beer aisle in a super uh, at a store and said, "We want to be steel reserves." But then I changed it, and it's S T E A L reserves. So it's a two, it's a two K thing. Um, Nerds. I, hey, he needs to get back on two K before we start talking strategy, man. His teammate and I have been uh, running through shit. He hasn't been on in like three months, so. He needs to p- start playing if he's thinking about uh, pro-am shit. <laughs> uh, back to our, our our man Keith. How many games are you going to this season? Are you gonna make? Are you gonna get your ass up here, Sage? Well, I'm guaranteed for the opening night because you're gonna see your team. You're gonna see your former team take a massive L. <sighs> man, it, it it's so hard to. Uh... It's so hard for me, these games, man. Why do you put yourself through it? I don't know, man. It, it's weird. Like, you know when I'm super active on Twitter, you know those two teams are playing each other. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, it, 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 it's, it, it's me, bro. That, that, I mean, that's a dichotomy of me. I love those two teams a lot. So I'm going to those games for sure. I'm going to try and make it up more. There's uh, a few reasons why I need to be in Portland, so... I'll try number, and go. Number into- one should be you're staring right at him. <laughs> That's gonna make a few people upset, but you're probably right. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go to quite a few. Uh, four. I, I'm set. I'm, I'm setting setting the goal at four. You got to make it to four. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the NBA schedule makers are trying to fuck with my emotions at all times, yo. It was Why? opening light last year. No, it's opening- two years ago. Two years ago. No, two years ago. Was it? Yeah, we played Utah last year. Oh, well, that year didn't matter. But two two times out of the last three years, I feel like the NBA makers are trying to uh, fuck with your boy. And I don't, I don't appreciate that. Well, I, I think uh, CJ gave you guys, what, 36? He might go for, for 50 this time around. I, I remember that night quite fondly because I Dude, started... I had, my, I had my whole crew. I had yeah, my you had your mom and dad. I had and my the... mom, my dad, my wife. Uh, Matt was up there. I mean, the whole... Yeah, it was was representing, (laughs) and there's Sage in his Anthony Davis jersey, kind of just sitting there, Mister Grumps, (laughs) trying to take a selfie with him. He just wasn't having any of it. I I still have that photo. I know you do. I know you do. But what I will say about that, I remember that night pretty well because I started CJ McCollum in DraftKings, and I made like two hundred bucks off that. So it hurt my heart, but at the same time, I think I was able to pay for food for like a month. So, you know, you take the good with the bad sometimes. 
Well, the good is is the Rip City, so right, you'll be happy opening night, 2017. There you go. I just hope they have fun and no one gets hurt. That's all I'm hoping. Yeah. No one gets hurt. Let's have fun and let, let's win. I mean that that's that's what's really fun, right, Sage? Yeah, Blazers winning yeah, on yeah. opening night. I, yo, I, one thing, I better be on radio shows and other podcasts for opening night. There's no one in Blazers media that knows this team as well as I. I I mean, it might sound cocky, but no one knows the Pelicans more than me. I don't know. Uh, you keep predicting them to have uh, breakout seasons and to keep. Uh, <laughs> that's just the optimism bias. If Neil those, those, those are the Mardi Gras glasses you, you, you've got if, going on. If Neil O'Shea can re-sign Myers Leonard thinking he can improve, I can do the same thing when projecting the New Orleans Pelicans in winning seasons. Ooh, that is not not a comparison <laughs> I would be making. <laughs> hey man, I'm grasping at straws. It's eleven ten. I'm just trying to be entertaining for the folks, but uh, it should be a fun year, and we'll be back soon. Uh, one more question. Oh shit! Uh, at the Blazers fan, so uh, Peter says one best Blazer podcast. Excited to give it a listen. Uh, appreciate that, Peter. Uh, we already touched on this a bit, but there is a, a separate question that we didn't really touch on. So we already gave our thoughts on the NBA 2K all-time teams. However, he also mentioned: should they even release them when you don't add players like Brandon Roy and Rasheed Wallace? Well, I feel like they kind of hamper themselves with we're going to do this all all-time team shit, all-time team game. It just happens that the Blazers is the wackest team on the whole roster, but I think that's a stretch. I mean, if we didn't have Drexler, yes. The Suns don't have Barkley, that automatically puts them top 2 along with the Pacers, right? Like our best two players are on there. So I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. All right, fine. Well, it's a team that I try and study. I mean, since they're doing the whole league, I think it'd be kind of weird to leave out the Indiana Pacers, the Blazers, and then the Suns, because they've been in the league for so long. They have they have a long legacy of good players coming through. So, Well, I think he was asking, should NBA 2K even release any of these all-time teams if you can't get these uh, superstars? In theory, it would be nice, but they're going to do what they do to try and stir up the most buzz. I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, at the end of the day, there's you don't play with 15 guys. You probably play with seven or eight. There are seven or eight guys that I feel confident in that are truly would have made the all-time roster. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more collaboration with 2K, the teams, and their fans. Uh, 2K has done such a good job of giving the players their, their their ratings on social and you know releasing the the top ten positions uh, on Twitter that they should have worked with the teams and had maybe the fans decide maybe the last three or four spots and done polls and you know they could have easily done it on Facebook on Twitter on Insta that would have been a lot of more fan engagement and probably better for the whole community I mean. You know, we're sti- we're sitting up at eleven o'clock on a on a Tuesday talking about it, so it's like there's interest. Yeah, there's definitely interest. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to see what Dame could do with Bill Walton and Clyde Drexler? I mean, the people always have that interest of past and present. 
So I, I, I think I think it's a good idea. I just wish our stars were on the team. So I can't believe we made it this long. How have we not talked about the Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas, Celtics, Cavaliers, mega trade that was, but wasn't, but might be back on. That's kind of like your worst relationship that you've ever had. Roller coaster. Ugh. What's what's going on, Sage? I mean, yo, the when when I saw that Isaiah Thomas got traded from the Celtics, I'm just like, we as fans preach loyalty, but he played a day after his sister was died. He recruited Gordon Hayward. He waited to sign a contract extension, and then they traded him. It's just like, what the? F- why the fuck do? We expect loyalty when a team like Boston will trade the face of their franchise for someone who's marginally better, maybe? Also, the fans burning his jersey. That's so whack. He had no... Can we get over this? Like, donate your jersey to a homeless shelter. Sell it on Craigslist. Wash your car with it. Do something productive with it. Don't be a douchebag asshole trying to get views on Facebook or, or Twitter by burning your jersey. First of all, it's unoriginal as fuck. 2010 called. They, they want their idea back. And, and most importantly, it's childish. What kind of example are you setting? I mean, we've got grown men burning a jersey of a, of a player who, who left them. They feel like a, a, you know, a spurned lover. I mean, c- come on, guys. Like, let, let's, not, let's not do this. You should be better than that. This this is a trend that that I hope goes away, and and just it, it just it just goes away, and we don't have to worry about it because at the end of the day, this is just basketball. It, it really is just a game. It's a game we're very invested in and very passionate about. But let's use some common sense. There's no need to burn any jerseys. And what I really liked is actually like um, I saw it on Twitter. A Cavaliers fan had a Kyrie Irving jersey, and he was like, okay, Cleveland, you know what to do. Obviously referencing the mass, you know, everyone burning their LeBron jersey, you know, seven years ago. And he just kind of put down a piece of paper over that said, like, you know, thank you so much. Like, that's, you know, these these are human beings, too. Just because they get paid, you know, an insane amount of money, it doesn't take any, it doesn't make them any less human. Um, they have feelings like you and I. Um, Sage. If you were to leave your job, would you want somebody, you know, burning down your cubicle or burning down your Dell being like, God, damn, you know, in broadcasting it to the world? You know, no, you know, let's, let's keep some of this, you know, keep just don't be an asshole. I mean, that's just grow up. But in terms of what they got and what they could get, I was shocked that Danny Ainge, this is what he decided to cash in on. To me, that is highway robbery for the for the Celtic or for the Cavaliers. Even if Isaiah's out half the year, LeBron can carry that team. I think Isaiah's a top seven, eight point guard. Kyrie's probably five for me. So you're saying that gap is worth Zizic, a great young big rookie, the Jay Crowder on a fantastic contract, a three and D. You know, that's stud. like the most rare position in all of basketball. Like and every team people- talks about having a D and three player, the Celtics have one and traded them as like a sweetener for this Kyrie Irving deal. And then 
the Brooklyn pick, which a Brooklyn pick. He he wouldn't give it up to get Jimmy Butler, who was under contract and at a position more of need, but he's doing it for Kyrie Irving, a player who has not shown that he is capable of leading a team on his own. Yeah. And you've also got to look back at the deals that Danny Ainge has made in the offseason. Yes, they signed Gordon Hayward, but he plays the same position as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Okay, fine. I can understand that. But he had to deal Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris to get under the to cap. get enough cap space. So not only did you trade arguably the, the best perimeter defender in the game, but then you also got rid of one of the top wing or the top small forward defenders in Jay Crowder. That team was predicated on defense. They, they were a great defensive team, and now they're they're going to be below average. Sage. Yeah, I mean, and they had depth to throw at you. Like, Marcus Smart was on the bench, just hounding people. Now they basically have to start him at the two because they don't really have another shooting guard on their roster. And I, I, I that, that, that's, an Irving Smart backcourt is gross. Yeah, and they'd have a bunch of wings, but name me two post players. Al Horford and, shit, Jared Soldier doesn't play there anymore, does nope. he? Nope. Does Amir Johnson play there? Nope, he's on Brooklyn or Toronto. I don't remember. It's Aaron is, Baines. Is it is the Zeller brother there? Nope. They, they traded Olenek too, didn't they? The, he, well, signed he, he, he signed with Miami. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, they're going to be so. So weak it's like Semi Oljale and Aaron Baines are the backups. That, I, that's I, not I good roster it. construction. You have ten wings, two guards, and two post players, yo. <laughs> I mean, I know business is business, but on a strictly basketball personal level, I would have not moved Isaiah Thomas. Um, but to give up those other three assets, that just feels like a massive overpay in a situation where Cleveland had no leverage whatsoever. So I am surprised that a new GM was able to kind of take Ainge uh, like that. And it looks like they're going to get additional compensation for Isaiah Thomas feeling as physical, whether that's a first-round draft pick for a Boston or a couple of seconds. Or the Kings or the like. I don't, I don't think they're going to get that much extra comp. But either way, they're going to get probably a little bit more. And I think whether this is LeBron's last season in Cleveland or not, that 2018 pick sets them up for the future beautifully. Do you think uh, what, that? What, yeah, what would you do, Sage? Would you I trade, would trade that? 20, it. I would trade it. Who? So you would trade the 2018 pick, but who? So well, it's a very short list of players for me, though. I, I think that you look at the NBA, and there's going to be teams that are actively trying to tank, like Atlanta, the Suns, Orlando. So there's teams actively trying to lose if. That if they keep the pick and it ends up being seven, eight, or not, or higher, that pick is really worthless. Because if you want a star to replace the best player in our generation, you better be top three. So if they can use that pick to get someone like a true center, like a Marcus All, I would I would swing for that. It would get LeBron off ball more, and that would be dangerous. But, I, I mean, personally, I would trade the pick. It's tough. I, I think it's it's one of those no-win situations 
because you're always going to be second guessed. And I think it's you have worse odds than when you play roulette. Mm -hmm. So we look at it. You're right. There are going to be teams actively tanking. Brooklyn's not one of them. Brooklyn improved. They have no desire to tank. Obviously, it wouldn't make any business sense for them to tank. They don't own their pick. The East got extremely weak, even more so than that when than we've seen in previous years. So it's going to be a lot of competition for those ping, those pong, ping pong spots. So I definitely see your point there. I don't think it's a shoe in that Brooklyn's going to be a top three pick. However, it could also be very short sighted. There's a huge risk. You know, LeBron's probably going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, the other team out west, Golden State, they're locked and loaded. That's going to be a tall task to achieve. Does a guy like Marcus Soule put you over the top? Because this is a, a scenario where success really does depend on winning a championship. I know we talked earlier about finding success in other ways. If you make a move like that, well, frankly, anytime you have LeBron James on your team, that is the only measure of success. Yeah. I, I feel like if I was the GM, it's I'm going to use all my assets to keep this once-in-a-generation talent. If he leaves, we're fucked anyway. That that pick isn't going to be the, the pick that changes it. So I, I would swing for a legit star to hope to pair and make that big four. It's tough to find that star though, because I I could go either way on Marcus Ole. I'm more thinking it would have to be a guy like Anthony Davis. And that's just not going to happen. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I I would hope that it wouldn't happen, but I, mean, I think that's a I think what they should do that deal. We'll get him out of the wet west, knock off the Warriors. You get a great draft pick. Yeah, so I can watch losing basketball again. I'm good. I mean, is that really any different than what you've been watching? No, but you know, <laughs> optimism bias is a motherfucker, which I've explained already. Um, <laughs> would you trade it for Cousins? Yeah, you. Yeah, I would trade Cousins, it, obviously. Huh? Yeah, obviously. Okay. I mean, sure. I have this. Anthony Davis and I have a thing, and I'm not really. Does he know you have this thing? I, I know. I, I try. A... I mean, I, I I talk on podcasts and radio shows about it, but I, I don't like reach out to him. I don't think I've reached out to him on Twitter before. I think it's more of a private thing that the people that listen to me on the radio and podcasts here. I don't think I I, I, I try not to be creepy in life, but you know. <laughs> I I purchased a painting of him from Evan M. So I mean, yo, I kind of have a thing for Anthony Davis. So another thing that that hurts the Cavaliers is this was the summer where superstars were were made available. They're all gone. I mean, you're not going to see Paul George traded right away. Um, you're not going to see Jimmy Butler traded right away. Um, free agents can't be traded until like December 14th or 15th. So. They have a big gamble. Like, do you trade that pick right now when it has the most perceived value of being a top four pick? What if Brooklyn comes out of the gate scorching hot and they're in playoff contention a month that, into the season? That pick's worthless. That pick's value significantly decreases. So, I mean, that is a very unenviable unenviable position. I mean, what what does the eighth in. pick get you in trades? Like, it depends on the draft year. I mean, it. The value will not be any higher than it is today. If you're Portland right now and Cleveland contacted you and said, would you take CJ McCollum for that that pick? What would you say? I'd probably wish that I had like the slam down phone so they hear me hang up on them. But I would say, nah, homie, I'm good. 
Well, I know. How would you feel if that trade was offered and we accepted? I would not be too happy with it. I'd be. I'd be on Twitter just hashtagging fire all day. Yeah. So, and I think for Memphis, you know, I think the Marcus Ole makes a lot of sense. I mean, if they know they're not a, a contender anymore, they had a Western Conference Finals run a few years back. They lost Zach Randolph. Tony Allen's looking like he's not coming back. The grit and grind era. It's over. It's, it's over. over. I mean, it's time to, to put it to bed. That's a great piece. I mean, I think sometimes teams hold on to their star players too long and they end up not getting anything for them. That's a great way to kickstart your rebuild. A top but, seven pick in Mike Conley isn't the worst thing in the world. But does does Gasol, Thompson, Love, LeBron... Who knows how healthy Isaiah Thomas is and a J.R. Smith? Is that, is that better than the Warriors? Mm, no, probably not, just because of how well the Warriors work together, but it's a challenge, and I mean, Zaza Batulia is encarting Marcus. I would Gasol. love to see high-low between Love and Gasol. That Absolutely. Would be pretty, and and then, I think that is basketball that could beat the Warriors. You're going to need Kevin Love to play like the Timberwolves Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it happens, I think it would be interesting, but maybe the Cavs GM is really banking on all of the players that Brooklyn got to fail. I mean, that's definitely a possibility, but I think they'll improve. I think it'll be fun. I think Alan Crabb is going to be a nice fantasy option. I mean, I forgot to even mention Jay Crowder, so they've got some depth. If you can bring Jay Crowder and Tristan Thompson off your bench... Depending on the health of Isaiah Thomas, they they might give if you could get Gasol. So, and then you've also got the thought: Could LeBron really leave Cleveland after winning another ring? Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're if you're putting him in a really good position, and you got that hometown tugging at your heartstrings, and you just want to chip, it, that's going to be hard for him to leave. I mean, I know Dan Gilbert has literally done everything he could to get LeBron to leave because that guy's a fucking moron, but. At the end of the day, you play the game to win, mm-hmm. and if you're the best and you're in your hometown, that might be the only thing keeping LeBron. So maybe you do swing of the fences. I know short side is not always the best option, but when you got the highest and best asset in the world, you gotta keep up. You gotta, you know, you gotta do what you can. Yeah, to, yeah. I, I think you're right. This is a, a once. I mean, we say once in a, a lifetime player. He literally is a once in a lifetime player. Yeah. Literally the second greatest player, I think, of all time. Mm-hmm. You've got one year left. Swing for the fences, baby. If it fails, you know what? Push, At least you push, tried. Push those chips all in. Yeah. Push them all in. Because if he leaves, okay, fine. You're going to be shitty regardless until yeah. you have one less pick. I mean, you're going to get your your lottery picks for years to come. And your, 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 your picks are going to suck anyway. And you've got Kevin Love you could pawn off to teams. you got Tristan. I mean, you have, there's assets you can trade for picks. Like, you, if you need to start a rebuild, you can do it. I mean, there are plenty of teams that would love Kevin Love. <laughs> but we've been recording for an hour 40, and we said this is going to be a short one. So you want to wrap it up? Or do we have a- No, I think, I think we're good. Your boy needs to get some sleep. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, give us that subscription. Uh, if you don't have iTunes, we're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX. You can also find us on social, 
Facebook, Twitter, and Insta at Holy Backboard. Sage, any final last words? Um, so we switch uh, providers. If something isn't showing up after I say it's posted, please hit me up on Twitter so I can fix it for next time. Um, so trying some new shit, more professional stuff, better stuff. So if something's not working, please let me know because I probably didn't re- realize it. Um, you can check out all the podcasts on iTunes and uh, hopefully Evan and I do another show. I got another uh, show I'm developing with my homie uh, Lord Iceman from Atlanta who's a tournament organizer. We talk shit about video game culture. If you're interested in that, I don't talk about 2K that much, but if you like fighting video games and the culture surrounding that, give it a listen. We talk mad shit. Other than that, follow us on Twitter, and thank you for listening. We will be back shortly. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go!